been preaching for about a month on this topic about stepping out into our calling, that we step out into our calling. And it really came from 2 Timothy 2.9, a hallmark scripture of this house. And I'll get into that in just a moment. I was using for the first few weeks, and Pastor Mark preached last week, but I was using the first few weeks the illustrations in the Luke's gospel and Matthew's gospel also of when Jesus came up to his disciple to his future disciples and they were fishing and he spoke to Peter and to Andrew and he told them that uh, drop their nets basically that follow me and I'll make you fishers you're fishers of men but follow me and I'll make you you're fishers of fish but follow me I'll make you fishers of men and the key to this is is simple it's not up to us to make ourselves into anything. It's up to us to follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, he makes us into what we need to be. And I'm getting ready to touch on something today with you, and I'm going to be getting in it over the coming month or so, maybe even longer than that, that I believe will really challenge you, maybe even shake you a little bit, but also encourage you about some things that God has for you and already has for you and has had for you forever. You're just now discovering it. The scripture that's a hallmark scripture in my life is 2 Timothy 2, 9. It says, whom he is saved and called, not according to your works, but with a holy calling for his purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. And whenever we look at that, you know, I started this series by telling you that there's a lot of Christians that live a saved life, but not a called life. And that's critical in this time because you were not made for a purpose, you were made on purpose. God created you and I on purpose. He put us on this earth for his purpose, for his timing, for his will, for his plan. You were not made for a purpose. Stop seeking purpose. You were made on purpose. Just seek Jesus and he'll reveal it to you. So whom he saved and called, not or called, not if called, but whom he saved and called. The word called, kaleo, in the Greek means to be legally summoned, to be addressed, to be called in, to be chosen. Whom he saved and chosen, who he's legally summoned, come forth. Not with your own work, by your own works, but with a holy calling, what? In his purpose and grace in Jesus. Purpose, prothesis in the Greek language. Pro means before, a before time or a before location. Prothesis, thesis means a design or a deliberate design in a Greek language. So in a before place, God deliberately designed you and I, that's the purpose, for something, what? And grace in Christ Jesus. The grace is the part that gives you the ability, the talent, the, 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 the wisdom, the strength, the power of God to perform whatever that prothesis is, whatever that purpose is. So whenever you begin to get into that and understand that God has a plan for your life and he has a plan, it said, what before time began. Think about that. Before time began, God knew you. Before time began, God had already deliberately designed you for this time that you're in right now. Not for your purpose, but on purpose. And he deliberately designed us for such a time as this. Now, it doesn't mean everyone's called to five-fold ministry or to preach or to lead the music or even to teach a class, 
or to be a missionary, but everyone's called. We're designed, deliberately designed for God for the season that we're in right now and every season to come. Your calling is not something, your destiny or your calling is not something you can produce. It's something you have to fulfill. Your calling is not something you can create. It's something you discover. So along the way, we discover. Along the way, we begin to fulfill because the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. And as we begin to walk that out, as we begin to fulfill it, we get more in tune and discover more who we are and what we're here for. So remember, your job is not to make yourself. These students are not up here to make themselves anything. They're just following Jesus. And Jesus said, do this, and they're doing this. And as they follow Jesus, he will make them into more than they even have in their own mind and heart. As I get farther down the road and what I'm going to be teaching over the coming weeks, I'm going to teach you about books, books in heaven. Jesus, Hebrews 5, tells us that he had a book in heaven. Daniel had a book in heaven. Isaiah had a book in heaven. Paul had a book in heaven. Guess what? Every one of you have a book in heaven. Because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. God spoke everything into existence, and when he spoke it into existence with his words, it came forth. In Genesis 1, we see that God spoke the world, the, the, the moon, the stars, the earth, the, the, the animals, the beasts, the fish, everything into existence. And what? It was a thought in his mind. It was a thought in his heart and his creative force. When he spoke it, it was. But what's wild, what's wild is we come up here to 2 Timothy 2.9 and it says he has called you with his own purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began. Wait, I'm, well, no, no, you, you, you deliberately designed me and knew me, you foreknew me and called me what before time existed. So how did you know what you were making then and for what purpose? Because he's God. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In God, there is no time. He is in your past, present, and future at the same time because he always was, is, and will be. So he's already seen your past, your present, and your future. To him, it's the same. And the shortest existence and time you'll have on this planet is this life you breathe on this earth. Because you will spend eternity somewhere, whether you're born again or not. It'll either be with God and his kingdom, doing his purpose, his will, or in hell. And hell wasn't made for you, so he don't want that. It's your choice. But here's what I want to get to with you today. That every one of us have a destiny. The very fact that you breathe, that you're living on this planet today is proof that God knew you. Even if you're not born again, he knew you. He designed you. He plans you for such a time as this. So what 2 Timothy is really saying is that when we find our purpose, he gives us the grace to do it. Purpose and grace were given to you. Before time began. Oh Lord, I need your grace. It, it was. It always will be. 
There's no beginning or end. It was, but you have to accept it. Ask for it. Grace and destiny were here before the moon and stars were here. It was in God's mind, God's heart, and he spoke it out into the, his council in heaven. And there's a book. We'll all stand in front of a judgment seat, of course, if you're born again or not. But then there's the white throne judgment where when you stand in front of that, it's not about your sin. That's for Christians. It's not about your sin. It's not about what you did or didn't do as far as little tidbit stuff. It's about how did you live out the purpose he designed you for, his purpose, his plan. We're not here for ourselves. We're not even here for our family. We're here for him and him alone. And he's the one that makes all of that right and all of that better. So when we think about our existence, how can something be given to something that does not exist? Chin, you're headed to stop, I promise. How could something be given to something that does not exist? How could God give you a grace? How could God give you a design? How could God give you a purpose and a plan, yet you don't exist? Even earth itself didn't exist because it said he did this before time. Time was marked with us when God spoke the earth and the solar system into existence. To him, there is no time. He's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful. I'm not present everywhere all the time because he has no time. <laughs> it's kind of like asking God, well, give me some love. Well, you don't need any more love because he first loved you. That's more love than you could ever imagine anyway. You just need to accept it. There's a purpose written in the books of heaven about every one of us. It's our destiny, and we have the grace to live it if we'll follow Jesus. Purpose and grace have been waiting on you to discover them before time began. Well, God, what are you going to do with me? God, why would I be significant? Listen, grace and purpose were waiting on you before time existed. That's what 2 Timothy 1.9 just said, right? Now let me get to the scripture I want to get to with you. Go with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. David is crying out to God. Beginning in verse 14 is where I'll pick it up. And David says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16, look at this. Your eyes saw my substance. David was saying, before anything else, God, you saw my substance. You created me. You saw my DNA, my wants, my desires, my gifts, my talents, the plans. God, you saw my substance being yet formed. Look at this now. In what? Your book. They all were written. 
everything you like and dislike, your DNA, the only you that will ever be and ever has been. That's why our DNA is so unique. God knows every one of us. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, said he knows even the number of hairs on your head. Hebrews 4 tells you that he knows even the intentions of your heart. And in your book, God. See, you need to get focused, and I need to be more focused on his book, on his promise, on his purpose, on his plan for our lives. Not ours. They are all written. The days were fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. I read that, and I just had to grab my head. You read it, it didn't do that to you, did it? Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet they were, there were none of them. Before there were any of my days, you made me and designed me for the days that were coming ahead. You don't live by hope. You don't live by happenstance unless you choose. Is predestination real? Yes and no. What do you mean, preacher? Is God sovereign? Yes and no. All right, let me help your theology. Predestination is real when it comes to your destiny because he wrote it in a book and it's in heaven and when you stand in front of the white throne of judgment I'll show you in a later week here out of Revelation the same one that Daniel saw and prophesied about and he talks about the books and you'll stand in front of that white throne judgment and it says his hair is like silver and white and like lightning and like fire and he stood and his breath shook the cornerstones and there was 10,000 of 10,000 standing there and he opened their book you know, he doesn't only have a book of destiny for you and me. He has one for every church. He has one for every ministry. He has one for every city, every county, every state, every nation of the world. There is nothing exists that God didn't know about and didn't design and didn't plan. Is he sovereign? Yes. In his destiny for your life. But is he sovereign in the sense that everything you do is sovereign? No. You have a free will choice to choose his destiny or your way. A lot of people, well, he's sovereign, and yes, it's, yes, I believe in predestination. Oh, so when you picked your nose two hours ago and hit the booger so nobody would see it, that's God's sovereign move for you. So people want to use sovereignty as an excuse to sin. They want to use sovereignty as an excuse to do it their way. Well, God must have just planned for me to have three wives. God can heal you when you go through divorce, and God's grace is sufficient to get you through it and, and, and to help you in your life. So I'm not putting anyone down because sin and sin, it don't matter. And grace is there for all of it. But here's what I want you to get. The only thing sovereign for you from God is the book about your purpose. If you get that, you'll be way ahead of 98% of Christians in the world. His purpose that he wrote before 
anyone's day began, not just you, before your mom, your dad, your grandparents, before Adam and Eve, he wrote a book about you. And your whole life is not here to find your purpose. Your whole life is designed to live on his purpose. <laughs> Let me read verse 16 from the NIV. Since your eyes saw my unformed body, this is David, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Wow. Am I the only one that got that? I mean, man, when you start having a bad day, just read that. When you start thinking, you know, it's Burger King and I can just have it my way, just read that. When you, when you feel like, you know, you have the right to do something God said you shouldn't do, just read that because realize that even before a day began, he designed you and had a purpose for you. God holds a book on us in heaven and it describes our destiny. It describes our kingdom purpose. And in this book, our days were written before the world began. God's ultimate destiny for us is predestined. But we have to choose it. I'll take you sometimes in Roman 8 and walk you through your little predestination thing and fix you. Just don't worry. I, I got you. But today I don't have time. Every Christian that's been saved a couple years has had to wrestle with that demon. People, you do good just to seek his destiny. Don't worry about all that other stuff. And if it's predestined, then just, just be thankful you're saved. Other than that, get focused on what you're here to do. Amen? Uh, another verse describes it, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10 says, For... We are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. We're his workmanship. Christ Jesus created us for good works, right? We're his work. That word workmanship, I think either the Hebrew or the Greek language, I'll have to look again, but one of the Translation says that it means poem, a poem. You're his poem. You're God's poetic power in the earth. Why are you different? I think of Alex, you know, Alex different when he worships and he's doing his thing. And I love it because he is brave enough to be who God called him to be. And he's not ashamed. He is a poetic manifestation of God's destiny. You're different in certain ways in your life, in your talents, your gifts, your skills, skills, the way you have an outlook. God uses that. That's his poetic justice. That's his poetic destiny in the earth. You're God's poetic power to bring strength, anointing, and breakthrough in the earth because anointing breaks the yoke. Not your positive attitude. Sometimes Jeremiah didn't have a positive attitude when he stood in the sewer of Jerusalem crying out, God, why have you forsaken me? I prophesied what you said and they put me in prison and put me in the sewer. It's all right, Jeremiah. That's why they called him the weeping prophet. But he was right and he got his reward. 
Because no matter what you're doing or where you're at, when you're following him, he'll bring you through. Because through is important. Through is not just important to you, my friend. It's more important to him because he made you to break through. When you're facing something tough, remember you were made for this. When you're facing something hard, remember you were made for this because no seed can live until it dies. You take any seed and put it in the ground and the pressure of the earth moves it and presses it and crushes it and the seed dies. But as soon as the seed bursts open in death, out of it is resurrected to what it was designed to be and to become. And it becomes whatever, a flower, a tree, an orange tree, an apple tree, whatever, it comes. Life is in the seed, but the seed must die. So the design, the poetic science, science, uh, design can come forth and stand tall and strong. So don't wonder why it didn't work for you, but it worked for them because God didn't call you to be them. He made you. And he don't make junk and he don't make mistakes. He made you. Never forget, and some of you, many of you know stories about my life, and as you know, before I gave my life to Christ, I was a partying mess. Remember, I was a young guy, and this was my second new car. And uh, me and one of my friends, Paul David, went over into the country to visit a couple girls, just, you know, high school, just talking to girls. I think maybe we were out of high school. I can't remember, maybe 20. And, you know, well, it's time to go party now. There ain't nothing going on there. Let's hit it. We had our Michelob on ice. We were ready to go party. And we jump in my little two-seater, and we're on this country road, and it just got dark out. And it's a summer night. And I was like, let's go, Paul David. Yeah, open it up. Bartender, turn that crank. Open me one up. Gotcha, man. Here you go. And we're laughing, and we're going down the road, and I'm run first, run second. And I didn't know the area. By the time I hit third on this straight stretch, there was no road. All I saw was a big old tree about this big around, sitting about five to six feet up on a hill on a ditch line where a mountain started. The road actually curved really sharp about 25 miles an hour back underneath us. And I'm sitting there, take maybe one drink of my nice cold Michelob, and I'm sitting there, and I just hit third with that in, had that Michelob in my hand. Put my hand on that Michelob, and my life flashed before my eyes. And I said, you've done it. You finally killed yourself, you idiot. And it sounds funny, but it was one of the most sobering times I ever had in my life. And as we're going toward that tree, can't tell you what Paul David said from the pulpit, but as we're going toward that tree, it looked like we were just going to hit it about 80 miles an hour. Somehow flying through the air, the engine, I don't know, I believe as the angels tilted my car just enough to where the front corner hit right at the bottom of the tree enough to glance us and flipped us up and we went down the side of the road on our top, sliding down the road, I don't know, 7,500 feet. I broke the mirror and the windshield out. He broke the visor and the windshield out on his side. How we didn't go through the windshield, how, I don't know. All I know, we're upside down, laying there, shaking, all wet, thinking we're bleeding to death. 
on top of each other. Climb out, climb out, get out. This thing's going to blow up. Let's get, get out. We thought it was gas, blood. We didn't know. Get out, get out. We get out. We get out. Check ourselves, man. You got a lighter. Check Wait for a car to come by. We're bleeding to death. Look at us. We're, we're wet. We're soaked. When a car came by, we saw. They stopped and checked us, and we looked in front of the headlights, and it was nothing but beer. They were just soaking wet in beer. I said, man, I got to be bleeding. Look, he said, no, man, you got a little old scratch right there. It's not even hard to bleed. Look at me. He had a little scratch. Neither one of us. I mean, how, 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 how do you get a break like that? Well, that was sovereignty. Yeah, yeah, it could be sovereignty for that one, but not the next one. No, God gives you time. Some people get more time than others, so I'd be watching my time. You play with fire, you get burned. I got a lot of friends that didn't get a second chance like me or a third or a fourth. I'll never forget that. The reason I tell you that is it's my choice if I want to become a child of God. It's my choice if I want to follow Jesus. It's my choice if I want to fulfill the destiny on my life. It's my choice. He's laid it out. The book is written in heaven as I come into agreement with him and seek his face and in alignment with him, the grace comes, the power comes to reign in life, to reign in situations, to reign in circumstances, to come through even when it looks like you're through. But see, it's your choice. It's your choice. You take that last breath, huh? Been at a lot of deathbeds, unfortunately, as a pastor. And some have not been very pleasant. But I've never had one say, well, you know, I wish I'd got that promotion. Maybe if you, God let me live another year, I can get that promotion at work. I've never had one say, you know, never had a pastor say, well, if I could just break that thousand barrier or two thousand barrier, God let me go back to I break a, an attendance barrier. I never, never had one mom say, well, Lord, if you just let me do that. No. You see, 85% of us will die in a deathbed. About 15%, the maximum 20%, will die by a car accident, a plane crash, a freak accident, a, you know, something like that. But 80, 80 to 85%, it's proven statistically, will die in a bed somewhere. The way you learn about your destiny is who's at your bed when you take your last breath or who was trying to be at your bed. You'll find out if you lived well then. I've done people's ceremonies and some would fill the house and some hardly any would be there. And you'd be like, man, people you didn't even expect had so much influence because they'd lived well. But see, the ultimate key is when you get in front of God and Jesus is standing there with the silver hair and the fire in his eyes and 10,000 times 10,000 are there and he's opening each book. that time it doesn't matter what Stephanie believed or thought about me it doesn't matter what Parker and Pierce think about me it doesn't even matter what you think about me at that time he's going to look not you know you already got through the salvation thing so you've already been saved so your book's in the word the book of life amen good you get to be in heaven but what you got to realize is God has a government and there's rankings and cities in heaven The white throne judgment is not determined on, you know, were you a loud mouth or did you have a little pet sin? It's determined by how well you 
fulfilled the book of your destiny that God created before time began on you. Every one of us will stand before God in front of 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000, the Bible says. And it will be read publicly. That could take a long time. You got forever. What are you going to do? Sit there and play a harp on a cloud? No. You're really moving into what you exist for. Hell wasn't made for you. It was made for Satan and the fallen angels. Actually, the kicked out angels, not the fallen. The archangel kicked them out for God. They hit the ground, the gospel of Luke says, like lightning. <laughs> they weren't fallen, they were kicked. By Michael, his warring angel. So how you doing, sir? How you doing, ma'am? You can't stand in front of the white throne judgment and say Dalton didn't tell you. You know now. How you doing with that book? I'm too old. You are? If you're breathing, you're not too old. You're only too old when you take your last breath. I'm too young. You're not too young. Got everything before you. God can use you as a kindergartner. You're never too old. You're never too young. But I've missed this and I've missed that. Well, you learn from it. Now repent and let God's grace be the sufficiency you need to restore you to do what you're supposed to do. Not the opinion of man. Why do I exist? For him. For him. Not for each other, not for your kids. You know, oh God, I didn't have time to pray like my wife because I had to work so hard and put all the kids through school. <laughs> yeah, but God, I had to do all that overtime. <laughs> But God, I had to pay for it. If it's not about heaven, he's not interested. If it's not in the book, he don't really care. He's like, well, well here, this, is, this is before your wife even existed. This is before the days existed that you even got married. This is before any kid was born. And by the way, it wasn't your seed, big guy. Don't get that much confidence. I'm the one that created the seeds that you just got to pass along. So just get over that. Let's look at you right now. Yeah, but I went to college and I got trained and I, I got my PhD or I got my doctorate. So what? Who gave you the brains to do it? Who gave you the fight to do it? Who gave you the willpower to do it? Who gave you the money to do it? Who gave you the opportunity to do it? Who even allowed you to be born in a country where you could do it? Imagine what those pages sound like in heaven. Whoosh. Whoosh. And it's not just a page. It's a book on every one of us. I don't know if I can make it to prayer. I don't feel good. I don't know about that giving stuff. That's, you know, that's for the weak people. They just believe in that stuff. Oh, okay. Serving thing, they just manipulate you. What 
do you exist for? Why are you here? Why did God take the time to think about a little hillbilly named Dalton in a family of 10 that his dad died when he was three months old that was the craziest kid you'd ever meet. What was God thinking when he called me to preach the gospel? I still, when I go home, some people still just, I just gotta touch you and know you're still alive. I, I mean, it's, it's great you're a preacher. I'm just amazed you're alive. Tell you what he was thinking. Exactly what he wanted to think. <laughs> Takes a real high IQ to figure that out, doesn't it? He was thinking exactly what he wanted to think when he made you. Because the make that he designed you with and the DNA he put in you lines up perfectly with the book that he wrote about you with his counsel before time began. <laughs> so what about your purpose? What about God's grace? God's grace is to get me to heaven by the hair of my chinny chin chin, the skin of my teeth. Oh Lord, I'm so sick of people praying pukey prayers. When is it that we go to God for something other than a need we have? That's not prayer, that's whining. It's whining. He didn't call you to be a whiner. He called you to be a warrior. Maybe I'll get you fired up to get up 30 minutes early tomorrow and try to pray. If you just do that, just to where you just tried it. Just, okay, here I am, Lord, I don't know what to do. Well, then cry, because that's what you will be doing if you don't learn to pray a lot. And it won't be joyful. Learn to read the Bible. I just don't, I don't have the attention to read the Bible. Well, you better get it, big girl. I just don't have the strength. That's why you need to pray. That's why you need to read. That's why you need to, you even got audible Bibles. Just put it on your iPhone and just download it free. You know, you know how to get iTunes. You know how to get Spotify. You can get the Bible and just listen to it. Driving down the road. Make it your top tune. I mean, when we stand in front of heaven, this generation has less excuses than any generation before it. Isn't it interesting how God works? Isn't it interesting that every generation it's easier to serve him, to know him. Every generation, it's easier to access him and get closer to him. But the Bible said Satan grows dimmer day by day. Satan is growing dimmer and weaker day by day. We should be growing stronger and more powerful day by day. But instead, we exalt Satan and his ability over a God who's already whooped him and kicked him out. Mic drop. Preacher, you kind of look angry. I'm mad. I'm mad at the devil. For every minute he stowed a mine, and every day he stowed a mine, and every month he stowed a mine, and every year. And I'm mad at him for stealing your days and your months and your years. It's time to get in tune. It's time to get over stuff and get involved in his plan. 